Let's have a great time in the Lord. And I don't mean some frivolous, foolish, fleshly time. I mean in his word and his promises. I need a portable one of these. I'm messed up right now. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am in bed with my children. In a certain story that he told about prayer. And I wish all of you could have been in bed with me last night. Sherry got to hear today, last night in bed. I was out of my mind. Amen. And I hope that I can share some of that with you. 484 that we sang, Marching to Zion. The hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets before we reach the heavenly fields. Before we reach the heavenly fields. Before we walk the golden streets. Before we walk the golden streets. We sang it. Do you believe it? Amen. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 so that I can undo any worries about me and my orthodoxy. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I have a word of wisdom. Someone is asking, someone is asking, but pastor, I thought the apostle Paul determined not to know anything among the Corinthians, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And there you were telling us this morning that it's only the first chapter. That's right, it's only the first chapter. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ comes to bear on every blessing because it was purchased at the cross of Calvary. But I'm going to show you in 1 Corinthians 2, from the question you're asking me, is in verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Look at verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Is that Calvary? That's not Calvary. That's something very different from Calvary, but it was purchased by Calvary. Jesus died to get us all these things. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. What is our theme for today? Jesus dying on the cross purchased for us much more than acquittal from our sins and salvation from hell. Calvary is not just a fire escape. He purchased everything for us. To whose eyes is the sky the bluest blue? Anybody want to debate me? Didn't take him long, did it? How green is the grass to you? Every little thing that he's made, it's incredible. When we're walking with him, he's tantalizing us. He's doting on us. He's showing us. He's filling us with favor. We look at things differently, and we sang it. Those songs we sang were precious. Words of description about the Christian life. It is your fault 100% if you're not enjoying the Christian life as it's described right here in this passage and as we sang this morning. And Lord, help us all. You say, but my faith is so weak. I've got hope for you. You want to talk about weak faith? When Abraham was told that he was going to have a son by Sarah, who laughed first? Abraham did. What does God think of his faith? The greatest example in the Bible. The father of the faithful. Strong in faith. Who who laughed second? Sarah. Did she make the hall of faith in Hebrews? Yes, she did. 
Gideon. Is Gideon in the hall of faith? The man had to keep telling the Lord, show me this so I'll know I can do it. Show me this so I know I can do it. He's in the hall of faith. The man, the, the man with the lunatic son, how much faith did he have? Do you want to hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, faithless generation. Was his son healed? Is that comforting this morning? Do you have a little bit? Then tell him to help your unbelief and, and ratchet it up just a little bit with me. Just, it's a choice to ratchet it up. Because it's a choice of faith that we get these five blessings. There are some blessings that were secured by Jesus Christ on the cross that we have to exercise our faith to get. It's right here in Romans 5. Austin, you tied the martyr in perfectly. Perfectly. Thank you. I was worried about the martyr this morning, and you used it. I, I told Sherry, I said, I should just stay right here in my seat. We'll just sing songs because Austin's already done it. <laughs> Romans 5. Therefore... Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. By whom also? I want you to love the word also. I don't like interrupting my reading because it's God's word. But I want you to look for also's because also's means that Paul's constructing a list. And he wants us to get all the pieces of it. You think justification is why Jesus died alone? That's verse 1. There's an also in verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Amen and amen. amen. Last Lord's Day, I taught you the end of the universe. Because we can't, we need to know it, because it's the next big coming event. The Bible tells us about it. It should change how we live. And it helps us appreciate salvation by what we were saved from. And that's all in the first four chapters of Romans. Paul does a very thorough job in this gospel of God of condemning Jews and Gentiles as he works his way to verse 20 of chapter 3. And I'm not going to review that. We need to get to better stuff than that. Because we need to get right here to Romans 5, the first five verses. The price for rebellion against God is infinite punishment. And I want to add one more revealer. Sometimes I include this one and sometimes I don't. But I want to add one more source of revelation about the will of God. There's creation. There's providence. There's conscience. These are all in Romans 1 and 2. There's nature. There's nature. Does nature teach us some things? Amen. What does nature teach us about hair? Women should have long hair. Men should have short hair. What does nature teach us about sex? Opposite sex, sex, right. is what works and is good. Nature. Nature teaches us to take care of our parents 
And if we don't take care of our aged and infirm parents, then we've denied the faith and we're worse than an infidel. And then there's scripture. So there's five. Sometimes I use all five, sometimes just four, because nature takes a little bit more of explanation. I hope we all understand creation, providence, conscience, and scripture. But there's also nature. And Paul gets all five. Does he get nature into Romans chapter one? Yeah, they violate nature. See, there's something natural in us that when, when he rewires us, it's visible because it's contrary to nature. Now they're saying, it is my nature. Well, after you're rewired, it may be your nature, but it's not your nature before you re- were rewired. That's right. And so there's those five things, and we rebelled against all of them. Romans chapter 1 ends this way, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's how rebellious we are. And so God is going to judge the world. But Jesus Christ has saved us from our sins. Look at the last verse of chapter 4. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Look at chapter 3 and verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Look at chapter 4 and verse 25 who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. And chapter 3 and verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And in between those two verses, the Apostle Paul showed that the Jews should look back to Abraham and figure out how he was declared to be righteous before God. And he was declared to be righteous before God in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. I have taught you all these things with timelines and slides and every every bit of ability I know how to convey it to you. The great example of salvation in the New Testament is not Cornelius and it's not Paul. It's Abraham. And Paul used Abraham over and over. It was Genesis 15, 6. God said, come outside. Look at the sky. Count them. So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, Abraham had had faith long before that event in chapter. That's 15. Do you know what he did in 14? He took his 318 trained servants and took on four kings and beat them. Do you know what he did in 14? He gave tithes to Melchizedek the priest of the Most High God. Do you know what he did in 13? He gave Lot all the best land. He took all the junk land and became a rich man. Do you know what he did in chapter 12? He built altars to God at Bethel and worshiped the Lord. Do you know what he did in chapter 11? He left Ur of the Chaldeans by faith because Hebrews tells us he left Ur of the Chaldeans by faith. But there's that single event, signal event, a very important event of coming out and looking and believing the promise of God, and God said, that, that's counted to Abraham for righteousness. That was evidence of righteousness. I do not want to deal with justification by faith very much today because it's going to distract us from our point, and it's what we've spent a great deal of our Christian lives doing is getting too worked up about all the details of justification freely in Christ, planned before the world began, five phases of it, and us believing because I want to reach beyond it to verse 2 so I can jump on that also and just rub you with it. I want to rub you with some also's. 
Because there's more than just being acquitted from our sins. There's more. Jesus is not just a fire escape. God wants much more. That's just, that's just bare mercy. Amen. Do you know that we have depraved presidents that just, they do this. Sign, and a man's pardoned. How special is that? Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I know you're, you're wondering about my orthodoxy right now. Don't get me wrong. That's a wonderful thing. But he's done a whole lot more. Amen. And he wants a whole lot more. He wants a family. You know, when you adopt someone, you want to dote on them and give them all the privileges that they don't know about. And that's our God with us. Right. And he wants to do it right now. To depart and to be with Christ is far better. Can't deny it. Paul said it. But he said, I'm going to stay here anyway because I'm better for you. And there's a lot of good things right here in this life that we want to take advantage of because we're already justified and we believe it. And that gives us peace. And that's what verse 1 is saying. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus secured our justification by taking our sins and dying on the cross and giving us his perfect righteousness. That's justification. Just as if I'd never sinned and just as if I had lived Jesus Christ's perfect life. He did that. That's why I read those verses twice. I didn't lose track. I read them twice, 324 and 425, because I want you to know that is a settled purchase legal transaction that took place 2,000 years ago. When we believe, then we are declared to be righteous by the evidence and testimony of Scripture and all of Romans chapter 4. When we believe on Jesus Christ, we know that we have the righteousness of Christ on us and that we are justified. And that gives us peace with God. When Jesus died on the cross, it gave God peace about us. Amen. But when we believe and we know that we're justified and that we can meet God because we're seen by him in Jesus Christ's perfect righteousness, that gives us peace. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. And it is that death of the Lord Jesus Christ that is in 425 that prefaces these five verses. And Paul is going to go right back to it in verses 6 through 11. Because verses 6 through 11, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So he's going to go right back to the death. So we've got the death leading us in. We've got the death of Jesus Christ leading us out. And in between, are things purchased by him. He didn't just save us from hell. Right. He wants a family. Amen. And he's got an older brother for us. And he's got an inheritance for us. And he wants to tantalize us and dote on us every single day with marriage, with food, with cats, with clouds, with grass, with skies with sunrises, with supermoons. Do, do you get excited about all these things because it's your father playing with you? Okay, you say, but sometimes there's trials. Okay, let's go there right now before I get there. There's trials. What do you think of a father 
that loves his son so much that he gets him in to the best school in America. Do you know what the best school in America would be? A tribulation. Do you know why? Because the courses are all going to be harder. That's why it's the best school in America. And do you know what he gets you when you graduate? The best job in America as the reward. And he's with you, writing you every semester, telling you that he hopes you're doing well and that he's thinking about you and that he's with you. And if you need any further help, he'll get a tutor for you. Right. What would you think of a dad like that? Oh, Brick, couldn't be better than the one I have. What do you think of a dad like that? I said it too fast? I'm too confusing? That's my father in heaven. Every tribulation is the best school that he knows for you or me. He goes through it with you. He will make a way of escape, and he will get you out of it and he will shed abroad his love in your heart while you're in it. Right. We have two couples missing today. Yes. One is lighthearted and one is heavy-hearted. And our brother Stephen died on Friday at noon. But his last words, as far as I know, were, Dear Lord, dear Lord, It doesn't matter whether it's the couple that's lighthearted or the couple that's heavy-hearted right now. The Lord is equally with them both. Amen. And all the things in these five verses are both of theirs. Do you want these things to be yours? I love peace. I hate fighting. I hate grudges. I hate differences. I hate contention. I hate worry. I hate fear. I want everybody to be happy. And the Lord wants us to be happy. So he sent his son and bludgeoned him for us and bruised him for us. And it pleased him to bruise him for us so that he could have peace with us. And then he sends us the gospel so that we can have peace with him. The gospel is glad tidings of good things and of the peace that we have with God. So we don't have to do any more worrying. All we have to do is enjoying. What are you worrying about? Jesus died to take away all your worries. He took away God's worries first 2,000 years ago. He had taken them away before that because in the covenant of grace, they were already gone before the world began. Lord, take care of that heavy-hearted couple and bless the light-hearted couple and let them both realize the great blessings purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary for both of them. Therefore... What is that therefore? Therefore, because of chapter 4, especially verse 25, therefore, being justified by faith, we're declared to be righteous because we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. So that's the first blessing that I want to get out of the five. And we don't need to be long today. Listen, I've got, I've got hundreds of points but we don't need hundreds of points. You just need a few. And I want to give you a few about what Jesus has purchased for us right now. He bought more than an escape from hell for you. Let's not just sit and look back all the time. The apostle is going to tell us he did deliver, he doth deliver, and I believe he shall yet deliver. There's three deliverances at least. 
There's at least three chapters in the drama of God's book for all of us. And we want to embrace all three. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. Here is the first of at least five great spiritual blessings in life that come from justification in Christ. Because Jesus died in 425, the way he did for our sins, we can know that we are righteous in his sight, and we can have peace with God. From us toward him, we're at peace. I'm not afraid. Take me now. I can die the martyr's death. Did you hear them? Did they sound afraid of dying? They said, don't let me die without some bruising first. I want some excruciating pain before I die. What gives a person that kind of ability? Romans 5, 1 through 5 gives them that kind of ability. I want you to savor every single word of this passage. Therefore, every single word, being justified, we're already justified by faith because we believe. That's all we have to do to identify and claim and and be convicted and assured of our justification, just like Abraham. Genesis 15, 6, long after he was already a righteous man. But it was counted to him for righteousness because it was evidence of his righteousness. Phinehas did the same thing. Phinehas with his javelin which is in Numbers 25, but it's given to us in Psalm 106, verses 30 and 31, when Phinehas stopped the plague in Israel by killing a fornicating couple, it was counted to him for righteousness. He was already a righteous man. That's why he did what he did. But doing what he did was evidence that God wanted identified as righteousness. Rahab, What did Rahab do to show that she was justified? She lied to her city magistrates who wanted to know where the spies were from Israel and what direction they went. She lied to them. And James chapter 2 tells us, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? Amen. And so I want you to understand that. That first verse of chapter 5 is our subjective, personal, conscience, mind, heart, justification by faith, knowing that we are righteous because we are doing the same thing Abraham did. Therefore, what Jesus did for Abraham, he also did for us. And so we're seen as righteous in the sight of God. When Abraham believed in Genesis 15, 6, not a thing changed in his nature, not a thing changed in heaven. But there was a declaration made. And that's why Paul goes back and pulls it forward. He pulls it forward in Romans, and he pulls it forward in Galatians, because that one verse is very important. He believed, and it was counted to him for righteousness, for Paul to combat Jewish legalism. And see, we wish that Paul were combating 21st century Arminianism. But he wasn't. He was combating Jewish legalism. And so he uses that great example of faith later in his life. Abraham's life. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. Peace is the end, this is the definition, the end of hostilities and strife for two once antagonistic parties. So God's at peace with me, therefore his hostile nature toward me as a sinner is gone. So he's not angry at me with the wrath 
that we looked at last Lord's Day from all those passages of Scripture because we've been saved from the wrath to come. But that doesn't make peace. It just means there's no war. It makes peace, but it doesn't go beyond that. It doesn't go beyond no more war. Peace is no more war. But does God have something better for us than just no more war? Yes, he does. He wants us to have a feast of fat things. That's, a, that's an Old Testament expression from Isaiah. A feast of fat things is what he wants for us and what he purchased for us. He wants us to be delighting in him. He wants to delight in us. When you fathers and you mothers have the family together and everyone's happy and you have cooked a great, you've cooked a storm up. Isn't it wonderful? It's what the Lord's trying to do with us every day, three times a day, ten times a day. And I don't mean food. I mean sun and kitty cats. I mean everything. Everything. Peace. Peace itself is a limited term. It just means an end of war. If it's in God only, then it's just an end of war. But then he tells us about that peace. And so we're at peace with him. Now we can be friends. Now we can be friends and be in fellowship with each other. Because he's at peace with me. I'm at peace with him. I don't have any more fear. I can run to him. Abba, Father! He helps me do that too, but that's not yet. I'm getting ahead of myself enough. But uh, I want you to delight in that peace. Remember Second. I'll help you remember. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I used this last Lord's Day about reconciliation. Reconciliation is putting two parties that are fighting at peace with each other. And so Jesus Christ reconciled us to God, meaning God was no longer at war with us because Jesus Christ took out of the way all the stuff about us that made him angry. And then he sends the word of reconciliation to us And we know that everything is taken out of the way that makes him angry. So we are no longer afraid of him. And it's that combination of the gospel. This is practical faith salvation. is just wonderful. God's been at peace with us. God's been reconciled. But we had to be born first. And then we had to grow up and get through the first grade and get on, or whatever, and get on in here to hear the word of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.18, all things are of God. This is just like... Romans 5.1, all things are of God who hath reconciled us instead of justified. It's reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit. Here's what I mean, Paul wrote, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. God has sent ambassadors to beg you. Will you be reconciled to God? God's reconciled. Will you two get back together? Are you with me? Will you two get together? God's all set. He's happy with you. He's thrilled with you. Can you get back together with him? And so when it comes to justification, God's at peace, but we need to be at peace. So the message of peace comes. 
Let's see if we can find it in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Peace and the message of peace. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14. For he is our peace. Let's back up to verse 13 so we get his blood so that you know it's his death. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath broken, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So peace was made by the blood of Christ, and you know there's other verses that teach the same thing, especially the fraternal twin epistle of Ephesians, which is Colossians. But then verse 17, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. There was a mystery that God knew from before the world began, but was revealed to Paul during his lifetime, and that is Gentiles were going to be saved. So Jesus on the cross, 30 years before this was written or so, Jesus died and made peace with God by the blood of his cross. But then Paul had to, take, had to go through all those shipwrecks and everything else he did to get to those Gentiles to tell them, the message of peace, which is 17, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. And so we're, we need both. And so Romans 5.1, God's at peace with us. We hear the gospel. We can be at peace with him. And peace is a wonderful thing. Who likes a marriage when there's strife? Let me see your hands. Who likes a marriage when there's bitterness? There's contention. There's tension. There's silent treatment. Who likes a marriage like that? God doesn't want one like that with us. We're his chaste virgin bride. He loves us. And he wants us to have this happy, fulfilled, day-by-day, minute-by-minute pleasure experience with him. And if you say, but sometimes bad things happen, yeah? Bad things happen to the martyrs, and they seem to be having a pretty good time right through the bad things. I, I haven't heard one yet whining and complaining. Now, I know that wouldn't be good material for a martyr's book. But there's grace given to martyrs, and they're, and they're not whining and complaining. So Romans 5.1 is where we need to get back to, is such a beautiful verse telling us that we have peace It's blessing, number one. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. The law never brought peace. Hebrews tells us, especially chapter 10, that all those sacrifices were just a remembrance every year that there were outstanding sins. So there wasn't ever total peace. It could never make the conscience free. Is your conscience free yet? Now, if you say, I'm not sure, the next question is going to be, did I baptize you? Because if I baptized you, I ask questions about your conscience being free. Because the Bible tells me baptism is the answer of a a good conscience. What is a good conscience? No guilt, no shame, no fear, no worry. God's mine and and I'm his. Did you believe that when you sang it? I am his and he is mine? Okay, I've just been building up to to get to my also. We're at word of verse 2. I hope I've said enough about verse 1. There's a whole lot more that could be said. Uh, a whole lot more. But uh, let's just get to verse 2. Also. Also. There's two things at least under consideration to get the word also. This and also this. 
two things at least under consideration as Paul builds his list. By whom? Let's just look at this verse and then we'll comment on it. By whom? That's a pronoun. Who's the whom? It's the last person named in verse 1. The Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's the one that purchased these things for us. By whom also we have more than just peace with God. We have more than justification. By whom also we have access. We have entry. Do you know that most of the good things in this world are closed off to you? Go to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and try to get in. <laughs> Go to the Commerce Club in Greenville. Where is it? Is it still around? Yeah, I know it's not. Go to the Commerce Club in Atlanta and try to get in. You can't get into the good things in this world. You don't have access. They don't recognize your retina. They don't recognize your thumbprint. You don't have a membership card to get inside. You can't get in to the good things. But there's access here to something a whole lot better than anything this world can offer. By whom also we have access by faith. When we believe the promises of God, when we believe what he did with his son for us, when we believe that Jesus is the Christ, that gives us access to his fellowship and friendship and gracious, favorable standing in this life right now. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. What is this grace? We're, we're going to talk about that in a minute. This grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So there's two blessings in verse 2. The first blessing is the grace in which we stand. The third blessing is, in the second half of verse 2, rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. Hope of the glory of God and rejoicing in it. But let's look at by whom. So it's purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as I've said, every blessing is purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ. So it says, by whom also. Jesus didn't just justify us. That is why I started off so bluntly this morning. Jesus is more than a fire escape. Jesus gives us access to God. That's not a fire escape. That's not salvation from hell. That's pleasure, fellowship, friendship, delight, joy, excitement, every day with God by faith. But Jesus purchased it, or we wouldn't be able to get near God. The door would be closed. We'd go up there and stick our thumb down. No. We'd go up there and pull it, look for a membership card. We wouldn't have one. We wouldn't be able to get close to God. But do you know how, how we can go toward God according to the Bible? Boldly. Boldly. Right. Have, you ever, have you ever read, and I have pulled them out of the Bible for you, Moses negotiating with God, Abraham negotiating with God, Moses reasoning with the Lord about if you do this, this is how it's going to be viewed, and that's not going to be good for your reputation. Now, you may think that that's sacrilegious and blasphemous, not in the Bible. Why? Because Moses understood that he had access to God. Do you remember he could walk inside the tabernacle and God would come down and everybody else in Israel would stand back because the whole thing was glowing because God was in there with Moses? He understood that. We need to understand that. We have something better than Moses 
we know the one that made it possible for us. And Moses could only look forward to Jesus Christ. And we get to look backward at Jesus Christ and know that we can go boldly. Because we have seated at the right hand of God now, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was tempted in all points like as we are, and he is not beyond feeling everything that we endure in life. We can go boldly. Any sin, tempted in all points like as we are. Access to what? The grace wherein we stand. There is grace right now. It's not just getting out of hell, and it's not just getting into heaven. And I don't want us to do that, pushing hell over here 2,000 years ago at the cross. We were delivered from hell, and we're going to go to heaven someday. But right now, God wants to be our Father, and we as people, and Him dwell with us, and be among us, and be in us. I'll sh you know some of these passages. Right. They're powerful. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18 have seven different ways of wording it. Seven. And they're called precious promise, having therefore these promises... Dearly beloved, what were the promises called in 2 Peter 1 that you read last night? Exceeding great and precious. Now that's a lot of words. Why didn't he just say promises? Exceeding great and precious promises. Our Father in heaven has promised us all kinds of stuff. Now, divine power, partake of the divine nature. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. Why aren't you bouncing around this morning? How full was your car, Selenica? How full was, well, your car was full anyway. But uh, <laughs> I meant that. I meant that in love, brother. There was only two of us in the car, but it was stuffed. There was only two of us in bed last night, but no, no, there were more. Maybe they were outside the covers, but they were in the room. There's angels in the room. They desire to look into these things. Do you know why? I don't know how to make this. They don't have access. Right. Do you understand that? I've tried to teach it to you one time several years ago called the inner circle. Who's the inner circle? The angels? Not a chance. We're the inner circle. The angels are outside us. The angels are our servants, and they know I am not disrespecting them right now because they serve our Lord and Savior who's our older brother by whom also, so there's things being connected here. We don't want to settle for just justification and peace. The, bless, the real blessing in verse 1 is peace because of justification. But there's more than that peace. There's grace wherein we stand and we access it by faith. But it's first of all by whom. The word also means that two things are in view. Faith is how we believe, claim, embrace, and trust Christ for peace with God. Faith is how we access additional blessings by the word also of our present gracious standing before God. When I read through this passage, did you notice in verse 3 that we've got a not only so? So that means verse 3 needs to be connected to verse 2, which is connected to verse 1 by also. So we've got an also in verse 2. We've got a not only so and an also in verse 3. And because of the nature of verse 4, it's connected to verse 3. And because verse 5 has a because in it, because is part of that list of five things. And it should be very visible to you that those five things were purchased by Jesus Christ for us to enjoy now. And if we're not enjoying them, it is our fault. We're displeasing our Father in heaven. We're neglecting him. 
We're not communicating back to him. We're not rejoicing in the things he's done for us. It's a shame. We, so all you want is a fire escape. I got it. You had too much Arminianism in your background, so all you can think of is believing on Jesus as a fire escape, and you like this world too much. Examine yourself with me. I'm examining myself while I'm talking to you. So you like Jesus as a fire escape so that that part of your life can be taken care of and so you can die someday that you're really not going to think about, but you can enjoy life in this world of the world's things. That is not why he died. He died for us to walk as dear children while we're here in this life and to have fellowship with him every day. Did you hear what John wrote in 1 John chapter 1? I'm not going to turn you back there, but John wrote and said that our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we want you to have fellowship with us, who's having fellowship with him and him, and so it's all a big, happy family. Is that a Bible word? Where would we go to find that Bible word? You want a QT run after church? That's excellent, brother. Ephesians chapter 3. The whole family in heaven and earth is named after our Father in heaven. I told that couple yesterday that Solomon wrote, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. There's There's my other two. You know, anything that happened to me at the bank, I just couldn't wait to get home so I could tell her about it. But I have someone else that I get to celebrate with, and she knows, because she had to hear it all last night in bed. It's with the Lord. Right. Do you ever look at a cat and talk to the Lord? Don't smile. I know that's stooping a little bit for me, but everybody's different. Everybody's different. Thank you, brother. Do you ever look at the clouds and talk to the Lord? The blue sky? Do you ever tell them, that's the bluest sky you've ever made? Just for me? Who am I? Why'd you make me the bluest sky? Did you, tell, did you, did you sing that song about the richer hues and everything? The yep. hues and everything. The hues in her? the hues in this church, everything the Lord can make beautiful. Because we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And our Heavenly Father wants to take us by the hand through this land. Yes, we're only strangers and pilgrims here because this is not our final home. But while we're here, He has wonderful times with us. He did with Abraham. The place was called Bethel, the house of God, the house of Elohim. And here we are today, but when we walk out of here, I'm still with him. And everything, everything should be wonderful, brethren. Without his death and intercession, there wouldn't be peace or loving affection from God, but he did die for us, and there is peace and loving affection from God and this state of grace that we get to be in where we stand, and we have access to it by faith. Paul's Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 and Daniel's Maccabees Them that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. We believe, so we change things in our lives. We believe and we shout his praise. We believe and we get up in this pulpit and give thanksgivings. We believe and we love our brethren. We believe and we exhort our brethren. We believe and we read the Bible because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We want to increase that faith. We want to grow that faith. 
And so he sees us making that effort. Jesus paid for it, so it's there. And I'm not talking about eternal life. I'm talking about abundant life right now. Jesus paid for it, and we access it by faith. Lord, I believe. I believe you. I believe what your son did. And that opens up him. If you tell somebody, if you, you tell somebody you love them, and you're going to come back from war for them, you're a soldier. Girls, pretend you're on both sides of it. A guy tells his girlfriend, he tells his wife, I've got to go to war. I love you. I'll always love you. And I will come back for you. Do those words make good movie drama? Yes. Now what if she said, I don't believe you, instead of grabbing him and nearly choking him with her arms around his neck? What if she said, I don't believe you? Or I've got to go take care of the roast that I have in the oven. You can't even imagine it. But you know what? We do it to the Lord every day. We, do we get so caught up in the little soap bubbles that we have in our little lives down here that we do it to the Lord every day? Can you think, does he love us? Has he said he'll always love us? Has he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? Has he said, I am coming back for you? Do we give him the same kind of a response that we automatically expect a woman to give a man going off to war? Aren't we pitiful? That's what today's all about. It's very simple. I'll I'll almost tear this outline up in front of you. I just want to talk. I want you to get a vision of what Jesus did for us on the cross. You can go to work with him no matter where you work. On the other side of the earth, Alex. No matter where you go, he can be with you in the car. You can be talking to him. You can sing. You can shout. You can notice everything around and say, Lord, that cow is fantastic. I happen to love it. I love the smell of natural fertilizer. Every, the, the point being, everything. Right. Just as we sang in that song, and if, you, if you're not going to believe me now, why'd you sing the song? Because I thought you were all singing along with me. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. This is blessing number two out of five that comes after justification in the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in salvation by grace, but this is gracious life on earth that we enjoy by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Savor these words into this grace wherein we stand. We do not stand in heaven yet, but we can stand in gracious favor and fellowship with God now. And men did. John did. John knew that he was the disciple Jesus loved. David did. Enoch did. Abraham did. Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. Still like that verse? I think 17.1? I'm, ex- I'm your exceeding great reward. That can be true every day, purchased by Jesus Christ. Through adoption into his family, this grace wherein we stand. We are gloriously pardoned, redeemed, and sanctified for heaven, but there's so much more. Justification, really, if you want to boil it down to two words, or one word, acquittal. Acquittal. Pardon is wonderful, but reconciliation and adoption rises higher. Because reconciliation is putting us on good terms with each other, on both directions. And then adoption is taking us into his family, which we want to rejoice in. 
Look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. This grace wherein we stand. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly and that it's not just in heaven. It will be more abundant in heaven, but it can be more abundant now. I am come that they might have life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He leadeth them out and giveth them pasture. The Lord leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. David understood it. Do you understand it? Every day. You don't need anyone else. Because you already have him. You already have the one. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. By whom? By You don't need anybody else. You don't need anybody else. By whom? I have access. I know it says we, because he has to write a bunch of people. But if he wasn't writing a bunch of people and he was just writing in his diary... It would be by whom also I have access. Because it's individually with the Lord. You don't need anyone else. Just have that time with him every day. I don't really believe in a time with him every day. In the sense of those words, just don't. Here I go again with my orthodoxy. I think 25 hours a day is the time I ought to spend with the Lord. That's right. And everything is good. Do you ever get discouraged, Pastor? Is the Pope a Catholic? How long? Not very. Not very. And I don't get destroyed. 1 Peter 1. Look at this. About the grace that we stand in. Verses 1 through 4. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Notice, now that you know better from those maps, Peter is writing Paul's churches so that Peter, the Jew, can comfort the Jews in those churches that he agrees with Paul's doctrine. Paul wrote Hebrews to the Jews in Judea to let them know that he agreed with Peter's doctrine. Right. You, you know all those places in verse 1 from our maps. Verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Election is only good to get us into Christ is what that verse is teaching us. For him to obey the will of God and sprinkle us with his shed blood. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. The grace wherein ye stand. Grace be multiplied. I love multiplication. If grace, is worth, if grace is worth two, and you have two plus two, you get four. That's not a good example. I'm going to leave that one right there. Some of you mathematicians were way ahead of me on that one and said he's in deep trouble. Let's go with 10. If grace is 10, 10, 10 plus 10 is 20. But 10 times 10 is 100. See, I was in, I was in deep trouble. I, I could see it coming. Rejoice with me. It's grace and peace multiplied, not added multiplied. You know, sometimes I use the word squared with you because I love the word squared because it gets big numbers in a hurry. Cubed. Grace and peace be multiplied. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. We have a living religion, but we want a relationship with him by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. So there's election before the world began. There's heaven after the world ends and everything in between. Grace and peace be multiplied. So wherein ye stand in the state of grace, the state of grace is God loves me. The state of grace is God thinks I'm perfect. The state of grace is God does not remember how I treated my father. The state of grace is he's there to forgive my sins as soon as I go to him. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to remember that that is five verses after fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, that your joy may be full. It's 1 John 1, 9. That's the grace that we stand in. No killed sacrifices, no re-offering of the Mass. Just go to him in a quick prayer, confess that, Lord, I was a fool. I was a fool again. Forgive me. You're forgiven. As the heaven is higher than the earth, so are his ways and thoughts higher than our ways and thoughts, and that comes to forgiving sin. See, we're the ones that hold grudges. We're the ones that remember what someone has done against us. He doesn't. He just blows it out. Okay, that's First Peter. A few verses for you to see where election is, just to get us going into all these things he has in store for us, including the inheritance in verse 4. But now let's read verses 6. For a couple that's with heavy hearts today, and for the martyrs that Austin told us about. Verse 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice the salvation that is coming for us with our inheritance, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness, heavy-hearted couple, through manifold temptations for the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold. Do you know what God thinks of your faith? It's much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, yet believing, what does that verse tell us? What does the rest of that verse say? Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Is that, really, is that the Christian life? In the face of tribulations. Do you see that? Six through eight is in the face of tribulations. Do you hear that? You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Romans 5, 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's that joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the hope right there in that verse is not the hope that is in verse 5. The hope right here is our hope of heaven. In verse 5, it's the hope that God's going to deliver us again, and he's going to deliver us again, and he's going to deliver us again. He'll always deliver us. He'll always make a way of escape, or he'll always give us the grace to bear it. But we have to access it by faith. When our faith gets weak, or we forget about our faith, or we forget that the, the, the man who went off to war promised I will always love you, and I will come back for you, since God promised all those things, but we forget about them. He withdraws his support, and he withdraws his strength, and he withdraws some of that communicating to us because it's accessed by faith. And so we want to believe what God says, and he can fill us with joy. That, that verse in Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope, 
Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. It's, our, it's, only, it's, it, it's two little words that are our part in the verse. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. This is, an, this is something God will do for us. And he doesn't do it for anyone that Jesus Christ didn't die for. He does this for his children that Jesus Christ died for. And he is able to fill us with all joy, all peace, abounding hope, and all we have to do is access it by faith in believing. And so we're in Romans chapter 5. I went over there to 1513 because we're considering the grace wherein we stand and rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. The grace in which we stand, do you know how long we could preach on adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself? Adoption. Because adoption is just one little component of that. We're the sons of God. He's our father. He wants a big happy family. He wants us joyful. He wants us full of peace and abounding in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. He'll do it for us. He'll do it in us. He'll do it through us. But we have to believe his promises. We have to trust him that he's our father, that he's a good father. And you know that if a woman said, I have a roast in the oven, or I had a shopping trip planned with the neighbor and just disappeared while you were trying to express love to her, it would crush you. And so when we get all distracted, we offend him. We hurt him. We want to be delighting in him, and he will give you more and more. And the more we delight in him, he'll give you more of that joy and peace and that grace wherein we stand. And so we'll be rejoicing as the verse ends, in hope of the glory of God, because it'll give us a short foundation for heaven that is coming for us very soon. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word for this first service.